Well, turn with us. Ezekiel chapter 1. And we're so grateful to see you here in the house of the Lord tonight. And I'd ask you to pray that the Lord would use us for His honor and glory. And it is a privilege again to get to be here. If you're able and willing, stand with us. We'll reverence the reading of the Word of the Lord together from Ezekiel in chapter number 1. We'll begin in the first verse of Ezekiel in chapter number 1. Read down through the third verse. Share with you a very uh, direct and simple thought that I think the Lord will help you with. If God will open your heart to receive with meekness the Word of the Lord. God's Word says, Now it came to pass in the thirteenth year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, I was among the captives by the river Kibar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans, by the river Kibar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. You can be seated tonight. Thank you for standing with us while we read the word of the Lord. Now, the book of Ezekiel is a book of visions. It's a very deep book, a very profound book, a book of imagery and uh, of images and illustrations that the Lord shows unto the man of God. When he begins this book, he tells us in the very first verse that that's how God revealed Himself unto Ezekiel was through these visions of God. He said, I saw visions of God. The Word of the Lord came unto Ezekiel expressly, evidently, clearly, so clearly that he could see it. Ezekiel's ideas about God, His house, His glory, His temple, His promises were not the product of a prophet's wild imagination, but they were the result of a revelation of God in His visions that the Lord gave unto him. Now in this opening vision in chapter number 1, he sees heavenly creatures that reveal the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. Down in verse number 10, it tells us about those creatures. The likeness of one is face like a man, another like a lion, another like an ox, another like an eagle. It shows us the humanity of Christ, the royalty or deity of Christ, the suffering of Christ, and the victory, the ultimate victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The nature of the Lord. I'll not spend a lot of time on Ezekiel's individual vision here in this first chapter or any of his visions tonight. But I do want to say that the Lord seeks to do in our lives by His Spirit what He did in Ezekiel's heart through His vision. He wants to reveal His Son and His nature unto us. And He wants to show us who He is and what He does. There is a foundational principle that we see in the visions that God gives unto Ezekiel. And that is this. Spiritual life begins and only begins with the revelation of Jesus Christ unto the soul. Spiritual life begins and only begins with the revelation of Jesus Christ to the soul. The reason why God gives the stirring of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of man 
again is to give us a, an understanding, a uh, knowledge of who Jesus is. The reason why that I am saved by His marvelous grace tonight is because God gave me a revelation of Jesus Christ unto my soul. Twenty-nine years ago tonight, I was on my way to hell at breakneck speed, lost and undone under conviction. Thirty years ago, though, friend, on yesterday, or twenty-nine years ago, thirty years ago, I was on my way to hell. But thirty years ago tomorrow, I got saved by His marvelous grace. And it's because He gave me a revelation of Jesus Christ under my soul. Nobody comes to know Christ without the Lord opens their vision. Without God, the Holy Ghost introduces Himself unto them. Without the Spirit of God makes Jesus real on the inside. I'm not on my way to heaven because I'm a Baptist tonight. Or because I'm a preacher. Or because my last name is Powers. Or because I came to faith Baptist camp. But the reason why that I can say that I'm born again for sins forgiven on my way home is because the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation of Jesus Christ to my soul. He showed me Him as the Savior, me as the sinner. He was high and holy, I was meek and lowly. He showed me that He was right and I was wrong. That the only hope I ever had was in Jesus. That the only hope I'd ever need was in Jesus. Amen. And He gave me a revelation of Jesus Christ and the soul. Most people in the church pews, on the church roll, had millions with a coffee cup with the Lord's Prayer on it or a picture of the Last Supper hanging over the sofa in their living rooms. My friend, have never had a revelation of Jesus Christ to the soul. Being born again as a child of God does not come through baptism or singing in the youth choir or giving us something in the offering plate. Have a spiritual life begins with a revelation of Jesus Christ unto the soul. And I bless His dear name that He knows how to open the blinded eyes. He knows how to soften the hardened heart. He knows how to enlighten the darkened soul. He'll give a revelation of Jesus Christ unto your soul tonight through the Holy Spirit Jesus. That must be brought into our lives. You may not have visions as Ezekiel, but you must have a revelation of the Spirit of God or you will not know Christ. Amen. You cannot be saved without a revelation of Jesus Christ unto your soul. And then I want to say, following that up tonight, those of you who are saved, if you do not accept this truth this evening in your life, you will have very little power with God. And that is, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled, be filled, be filled with the Spirit of God. I'm afraid we're living in a generation that is empty 
octave that has no fuel, that has no power, that has no unction, that knows not the power of God. Oh, and it does not have to be that way. You do not have to live prayerless and powerless. You don't have to live empty and barely getting by. Child of God, you don't have to struggle every day just to keep your head above water. You can have the anointing of God on your life. You can know the a person of the Holy Spirit. You can fellowship with God every day. You can know what it is to bow your head and God move furniture in heaven when you pray. You can know what it is for God to inhabit your praise and your worship for Him to reveal Himself from this precious Word. You can have His presence in your family and in your church and on your Bible study. You can know God, friend. You can know God in the free, and not only the free pardon of sin, but in the movement of His sweet Spirit. He can testify to your soul. Oh, and I bless His name for that. Praise God. I'm not only on my way to heaven, but I've got heaven down in here. I'm not only on my way to see God, but i got God living down in here. I'm not only my friend saved, but hallelujah, I'm in love with Jesus and He's in love with me. There is a fellowship that takes place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm afraid that we have, uh, as a Baptist preachers especially, that we have been so afraid of being labeled uh, or misunderstood uh, or, uh, my friend, misinterpreted uh, that we have stopped preaching on being filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, and we got a church full of people uh, that are carnal and many that are lost uh, and others that have not experienced God's presence uh, in a generation because God God's men have just failed. There are people in this scene of preaching on being filled with the Spirit of God. It's, it's a frightening thing. I felt like I knew what the Lord wanted me to say when I got here tonight. And I looked around and thought I won't have to preach anything this evening. Then another Andy went to pointing around. I thought he's pointing over my head. Thank God he's pointing over my head. That's somebody back behind me. He's pointing at them. And then I finally asked him, you're talking to me. He said, yeah, you come preach and listen to me tonight. I am no authority of any sort. I am a no. I'm no pointy-headed intellectual by any means. I am not in any way a scholar of any kind. But i tell you what I can do tonight. I can testify that the filling of the Holy Spirit is real. It's real. Thank God it's real. Woo! I know what it is as a 13, 14 year old 15 year old preacher boy to have the desire in my heart for God to rest upon my life. I know what it is to yearn for it, look for it pray for it, ask for it and I know what it is to receive it. I know what it is for God to open up a wind in heaven and revolutionize my life and like a river the Holy Spirit to flow through my heart and to use me in some way for His glory. And there is nothing else like it on planet earth. If you're operating tonight in the strength of the flesh or in the realm of your talents, intellect, and abilities, and you are living your life for Christ far short of what the Lord wants. And tonight He wants to sanctionize you. He wants to revolutionize your ministry. He wants to empower your church. He wants to 
inhabits your worship. He wants to hear and answer your prayers. And God is more than off yonder in heaven. But if you're saved, He lives in us. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. God wants to reveal Himself to your soul in salvation. And He wants to flood your life with an abundance of the revelation of God through the indwelling and the filling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now I'm going to give you three little simple points and I'm quitting tonight. I want to say first of all, Ezekiel in this first vision, Ezekiel sees a vision of God's glory. He sees a vision of God's holiness and he sees a vision of God's power. A revelation of glory. I wonder have you had one? A revelation of glory. Do you know what it is for God to open your eyes? And you see Him as a God of glory. Verse number 1, Oda, Ezekiel said, I was among the captives by the river of Tibar, and the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Praise God. i got to say this and I'll move on. But do you have a time in your life when you found yourself in bondage? When you found yourself in prison? When you found yourself among the captives? Everybody else was a captive and so were you. You realized you were no better than anybody else. That you were held captive just like the rest. Oh, but praise God. For how He brought visions of God in my captivity revealed unto me Christ Jesus in my soul and let me know that I could be free, that I could be saved, that I could be forgiven. He gave me a revelation of Jesus Christ unto my soul and I'm no longer a captive. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer a... Old Ezekiel just because he saw God, it didn't get him out of a captive land. It didn't mean he got to move. It didn't take him off the creek bank where he was. But it changed who he was on the creek bank. Are you listening to me tonight? If God saves you by His grace, there's a ways between here and heaven. But while we're in this whole world, God wants to set you free. He wants to change your life. He wants to make you a new creature in Christ. He wants to give you something out in your soul. How worth living for. I'm so glad I saw a vision. I got a revelation. And the Lord showed me who He was and realized that I don't have to live the way this whole world lives. That I can have some heaven to go to heaven on. And He brought me out of that place of captivity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Hallelujah. He was among the captives, but he had a vision of God's glory. Oh, tonight, if you don't have a revelation of glory, whether in your place of service, oh, wherever you are, you'll not amount to much for God ever. You will not be a preacher, a singer, or a Sunday school teacher that God uses to their full capacity unless you ever get a revelation of the glory of God. I'm talking saved people right now. It's not enough. It's not enough when it comes to serving God. 
God. It's not enough to simply have knowledge that you know you're saved. But you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We are not filled with the Spirit of God for show. We are filled for service. And God's people are not a bunch of show ponies. They are workhorses. Amen. And when the Holy Ghost of God, my friend, infiltrates, saturates your life, it is so God can put you to work. And you'll never do the work the Lord wants you to do. And whatever it is you're doing, without being filled with the Spirit of God, without, my friend, the Lord, invading every area of your life, you can't keep back anything in your life and expect God to accomplish what He wants to out of your life. In your full capacity, God must fully occupy every crevice of your life. It is, my friend, essential to being the Christian servant. God wants you to be. Do you remember what Jesus told him as he went away? He said, but I'm going to pray that the Spirit of God, that Holy Ghost power, would come upon you and you'll be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Samaria, and Judea and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, without a vision of God, a revelation of God to your soul. You'll never be an effective witness. You'll never be an effective servant of God. You'll never do what the Lord wants you to do for His glory. You've got to be filled with the power of God in your life. Amen. Without a revelation of the glory of God, you'll never accomplish for Jesus what He desires. God tonight is not using intellect, finance, or the tapestries of religion. He uses the people who have been in the glory. I wonder tonight, have you ever been under the spout? Have you ever been where the Lord turned? And my friend turned the spigot on? And God's Holy Ghost, like a river, flowed through your life. Do you remember what Jesus said? He that believeth on me, He said, I'll have out of Him flowing rivers of living water. Have you ever been in the place, friend? Have you ever been in the place where the river of the Holy Ghost flowed through your life? If not, you don't know what you're missing out on. My friend, a vision of His glory. A revelation of the glory of God. Oh, I don't know how you feel about it tonight or what you think of it. I can tell what some of you think of it. But friend, I'm going to tell you something. I have to get there. I've got to have it. Amen. It's not enough to me to go through the motions, check off the list. Have my friends show up Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Have my prayer time, my devotions, read the Bible. I've got to have the river flowing through my soul. I've got to have a touch, an anointing, a fellowship. I've got to get there. God poured His life into mine. As a young preacher boy, He invaded my prayer life, empowered my preaching, made my cup run over. And I can't be satisfied with anything else. Oh, listen to me, friend. Old time religion cannot leave this way of glory or else we will die. And hear what I'm about to say to you. I get in a lot of trouble for what I do say and I'm going to say it real clear so that I get in trouble for what I do say and not what I did not say. Amen. There is nothing that is deader than a old-time, fundamental, independent, fundamental, premillennial, temperamental, judgmental Baptist church without the Holy Ghost in it. 
There is nothing deader than that. Amen. It's so dead, God will not go there. Amen. The Holy Spirit will not show up there. He has, my friend, no place there. And if I were you, I wouldn't go there either. Amen. I'd find some other place where the Lord's welcome and where He moves and where His power is manifested. If we leave this way of glory, we will have nothing left to offer. If we leave this way of power, we will have nothing left to offer. Our intellect is not sufficient. My friend, what else we have by way of programs and buildings and whatever else is useless except the power comes down. At the church where I preach, we still say, brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Will you pray with all your power while we try to preach His Word? All is vain except the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. Brethren, and pray that holy manna will be showered all around. If God, the Holy Ghost, does not come down and inhabit our praise and our worship and our preaching, everything else we ever will do will be in vain tonight. Oh, how we need a revelation of glory. He saw a revelation of glory. He saw a revelation of a holiness. This vision of Ezekiel is a sister passage to Isaiah 6 and the Revelation 4. All three of these passages tell about a vision of the throne of God. They all tell about heavenly creatures around about the throne. These beasts with faces and wings. These are heavenly creatures. And Isaiah saw, and Ezekiel and John saw it all. Ezekiel recorded much of it. And his record agrees with Isaiah and John's revelation of the throne of God. In Isaiah and in John, they embellish or have disclosed more details to us than did Ezekiel. And the, th- the two of them said, of these creatures around the throne, of God that they don't do but one thing day and night and night and day they say holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty this vision is a vision of holiness holy 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 the Father is holy the Son is holy the Spirit of God is holy the church today needs a fresh vision of the holiness of God we have been deceived to think that we can have glory without holiness. We have been deceived to think that we can have the anointing of God without the holiness of God. We have been deceived to think that if our preacher wears a necktie, and if we've got a King James Bible, and if we had red back church hymnals in the pews, then that means we're part of the old time way. And our young people are growing up in a generation where they think they can live like everybody else lives. Go where everybody else goes. Do what everybody else does. And still know the anointing of God on their lives. But hear me. If you believe that, you have bought a lie of the devil. He is still holy. The Father is holy. The Son is holy. And the Holy Ghost is holy. Amen. We have been deceived to believe that we can live like Lot and be blessed like Abraham. But it will not happen. We've been told that it doesn't matter what we do or how we live. But I'm telling you, it is showing up in our worship. It's showing up in our effectiveness. And the average church is so worldly that the young people know nothing of the power or the holiness or the glory of God. And sin is to blame for it. 
I told my mom and dad while we were on our way here tonight, I said, it seemed like every church I preach in, it seemed like everybody's under such a burden. Everybody's paddling so much. There's so many things going on. And so much of it's just sin. I mean, just wicked, low-down sin. Sin robbing our homes. Sin destroying our families. Sin wrecking the ministry. Sin destroying the Sunday school. Hey, man, that's right. Parents, I'm so tired. Listen, I'm not saying I'm tired of hearing them. I'm tired of them having to deal with. Parents having to raise their grandchildren because their son or their daughter's strung out on drugs. Children and boys and girls that I preached to as they were coming up. I'm so tired of visiting them behind bars. I'm tired of picking them up out of the dry clinic. I hope I never sit again in another hospital room with one of my little girls from our church bounce a baby on my lap and have her tell me I don't know who the father is. These things bring a great deal of trouble to my soul. It's troubling to me, friend, that we're living in that day and time where folks say don't say anything about this and don't say anything about that. And preacher, I don't want you to hurt nobody. I'd invite my family to come, but I'm afraid of what Brother Toby will say that Sunday. I'd love for my family to come. But you know, I'd be embarrassed if it was one of them Sundays. Oh, God, help us to pray again for God to send a backbone in the hearts and lives of God's men. Let us cry loud and spare not. Let us rise up against sin and Satan and selfishness and sensualness. God, give us some men in this generation who will love their wives, pray for their children, stay married to the same woman. Amen. Stand for what's right. Keep a King James Bible in their hands. Call out nakedness and lewdness for what it is. Reach against the green hair and the snout a ring wearing quartet that comes into the church with their wild music and calls it glorifying God. Give us some men that arise up and preach against the wiles of the devil. Amen. Amen. And the reason why our churches have turned to smoke bombs and drama teams and strobe lights and greasy-headed praise teams is because we've lost our revelation of the holiness of God. I don't want to park on just one thing, but I praise the Lord for camp where they still sing the right kind of music. Amen. And most of our folks in the Baptist churches I'm preaching in today, they don't know the right kind of music. They don't know one from the other. And they tell me things like this. It's because we do this so we can draw in the young people. That's what they tell me. Did you not know, preacher, we're drawing in lots and lots of sinners this way? This music is intended to draw the sinner. i got news for you. That's not what God's music is intended to do. I mean, it might do it, and I don't mean to burst your bubble. And again, let me get in trouble for what I do say and not what I didn't say. But God's music is not intended to draw the sinner. I hope the sinner likes it. If it's done right, they will. My friend, if it's sung right, old time singing, folks will embrace it. One reason why young people don't like it is most of our churches don't do it very well. We don't apply ourselves. We don't sing from our hearts. We don't apply ourselves to learn how to play instruments and learn music and 
sing to God and give God glory. And we're half-hearted in our worship service. And that's why they're bored to death, old friend. Be honest with you, I'm bored with the music. I hear it in a lot of churches too. I'm not friend, but if God's people sing and God's Spirit, there's nothing boring about that. Amen. And it is not intended to draw the sinner. It is intended to worship the Savior. Amen. And listen to me. If we lift Him up, Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. If tonight we quit worship, I quit worrying about doing Jesus' job for Him and just glorify Jesus, and then He would draw the sinner. Our music, friend, if your music's drawing sinners, Maybe it's the kind of music sinners like. Maybe it's the kind of music sinners sing. Maybe it's the kind of music sinners relate to. And if so, it ought to turn you off. What we like, they don't like. What we love, they don't love. What makes them happy makes us sad. And what makes us glad makes them sad. We're going against the stream. And we're not like them. We have come out from among the world. How to become a separate people, saith the Lord. And he said, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Amen. What this world really gets a thrill out of does not thrill us. It upsets us. Is that not right? Friday night, this world gets a thrill out of it. Friday night, I was on my way home from around Mount Airy, North Carolina, and drove at home after church on the evening service. And a lot easier to come on home through Atlanta and get through all that junk in the nighttime, you know. And I thought, well, I'll find a cookout somewhere or another. Hallelujah. And get something to eat. Hey, man, got to do something. Stay awake till 4.35 o'clock in the morning. And so I was on my way home, and I thought I'll find a cookout. I pulled off on the side one exit and pulled in there, and I thought, not with these people out here, I'm not. I put it in reverse, backed out of that parking lot, took off down the road. I found another cookout. Hey, man. When I pulled in there, I thought, this ain't a whole lot better. I mean, seem like the devil and his crowd just thrives on a Friday night. They love it. The weekends finally come. It's time to find a bottle somewhere or drugs somewhere or a party somewhere. I stay up all night and live like the devil and to do wicked things. Their attitude was bad. Their attire was bad. I mean, just 90% naked. I'm friended to listen. And yet all of them was giggling and laughing and having a big time. And it was making them happy. But what that made them happy didn't make me happy. But I tell you what I had experienced. I just left an old time revival meeting. I just got in the glory of God. I just preached till my socks were wet. And my voice was about gone. And we shouted the house down. And finished the service singing. And glory to His name. What makes me happy don't make them happy. You see, we can't be happy with worldly things. And if worldly music does it for you, it's a testimony to the shape your heart's in. And you need a revelation of the holiness of God again in your life. 
And as a pastor and as a preacher and as a moderator of meetings my own self, I realize I have to stand and give an account to God of the things that I have promoted and put together and pushed in our church services. And I can't sit there knowing what little bit I know about the holiness of God. I cannot sit there. I'm my friend, while the world's music goes wild in our church, I know I've got to answer before God one of these days at the judgment and give an account. I'm telling you, friend, I respect God too much for that. Amen. Amen. There's only about two dozen of us preachers left preaching this, but thank God we got a few up here tonight. It's sickening what's going on in churches today. A few years ago, I was headed on a Sunday night, and i got to move on. I don't mean to park here. A few, a few years ago, I was headed on a Sunday night. I don't preach often on Sunday night somewhere else besides the church where I pastor. And the pastor told me, he said, Brother Toby, I just need for you to come. He said, I want you to come preach revival for us. And I need for you to come on Sunday night. He said, if my people get to know you, they'll come back Monday through Wednesday. If they don't get to meet you on Sunday night, they won't show up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. Please come on a Sunday night. So I came on Sunday night. All the way there, I knew what the Lord wanted me to preach on. I mean, I felt it down in my soul. The Lord had made Himself very well known and revealed unto me. It was abundantly clear. All the way there, I knew exactly what I was supposed to preach on. I called Brother Pacey and I talked quite, quite often. And I told Brother Terry, I said, I know what I'm supposed to preach on and this is what it is. And I need for you to pray for me tonight. And he didn't have one ounce of pity on me. He said, Brother Toby, he said, if the Lord wants you to preach on that, what are you calling me for? Just go do what he said. Amen. And so my friend that showed up that night and I'd never been there before in my life. And I'd never met the pastor before in my life. And I sat down on the pew. And everything I was going to preach on, they did it. Everything that the Holy Ghost said preach against, they did it. And I sat there and argued with the Lord. And said, at least let me wait till tomorrow night. These people won't come back, just like the pastor said. They won't come back on Monday night if I preach like this tonight. But the Holy Ghost ghost constrained my heart. And I preached what God put on my heart. And that shell-shocked congregation a dry set me and sat there and stared. And when the service was done, I'd never had people do this before. But this is what they did. And I'm sure they'd talk to one another before they came out the door. But five or six people came by the door and this is what they said. And when they shook my hand, they said, we're not sure if we believe what you preached here tonight or not. But one things for certain. We believe that you believe it. Amen. We believe that you believe it. I want you to listen to me tonight. You may not believe a thing I preach here tonight. But look square up in here at this Baptist preacher two by four from Carroll County tonight. I do believe it. Amen. I do believe it. I am fully persuaded. I am absolutely convinced. We've got to have a revelation of the glory of God. We've got to have a revelation of the holiness of God. And if we depart from those things, we are done for. It's over for us. It's over. Revelation of the glory of God. The revelation of the holiness of God. And thirdly, a revelation of the power of God. When he sees this vision of God's throne, it is just that, a throne. It's not a place of excuses. It's a place of power. 
He sees a vision of power. Verse 3 said, The Word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel. Verse number 3 at the end of the verse, He said, And the hand of the Lord was upon him. God, help me to have a word and have the hand. I want to have a message and I want to have a touch. I want to have something to say and a power of God to say it in. Amen. The hand of the Lord also was upon him. This reflects the power of the Lord. And when he got a word from God, and when he got the hand of God on his life, the touch of God on him, in verse number 4, there's a wind that starts blowing. In verse number 4, there's a fire that starts unfolding. Are you listening to me? Wind and fire, wind and fire. When he gets a word from God, when he gets a touch on his life, it's wind and fire. Does anybody remember what happened on the day of Pentecost? How my feel when they got a touch on their life and a word from the Lord? Wind and fire, wind and fire. Do you remember what happened on that Mount of Sinai when the Spirit of God came down? Praise God and gave him a word from the Lord. Oh Moses, wind and fire, wind and fire. You know what happened, my friend, when John the Baptist said, "There's one coming after me, whose shoe latch that I'm not worthy to unloose," but said he'll baptize you with fire and the Holy Ghost and the fan is in His hand. That's wind and fire. Wind and fire. I tell you, when we get a vision, a revelation of the glory of God, of the holiness of God, the Lord will empower us. He'll set us afire. He'll breathe on us. His, His power, His anointing, His presence, His Spirit will be evident in us. It's the Holy Ghost that comes down. Prayerless lives have left us with powerless Christians. And we need a revelation of Jesus Christ to the soul again. He's not a God of weakness, depression, barely getting by, anxiety and fear. And my friend, He's a God that sits high and He looks low and He's on the throne. And He's a God of power tonight church has become so weak and powerless, we've turned into a giant referral system. Instead of leading people to the altar, we refer them to outside experts. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck, but I remember when I was just a lad of a boy growing up in a white-sided Methodist church in a pine thicket and them people didn't have PhDs and THDs and I don't even know if they sometimes knew what doctrine meant, the Word itself, let alone which doctrine they believed in. I don't mean that insulting at all. They knew God. They knew the Holy Ghost. And when we had folks that needed God, they knew how to get them to an altar. And they knew what it was to pray through. And they knew the anointing of the Lord in that place. And now we've come to a place where we're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and we don't even know that we're poor and blind and miserable and naked. We think that we know a lot and yet we're ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. We think that we know everything and we can't do anything. And the reason why we can't do anything is because Jesus said, Without me ye can do nothing. If we don't have Him on us, we're not going to do anything. 
We refer the sick to the hospital. We refer, refer the discouraged to the psychologist. We refer the unstable to the pill bottle. We refer the drunk to Alcoholics Anonymous. We refer the rebellious to law enforcement. We refer troubled marriages to the counselor. And I don't criticize any of these things tonight. But my observation is to remind you of the church of Jesus Christ. And my friend, that there is power in the name of Jesus. All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. There is nothing too hard for God. With God, all things are possible. And you shall ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And the prayer face shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I wonder tonight, do we still believe these verses? Do we still believe what this Bible says? I fear we are lacking a vision of power. The average church service, I hear people talking perpetually of how the devil afflicts them and defeats them and conquers them and how scared they are of him. And I'm not trying to poke a stick at him tonight, and I know I'm no match for him in myself. But when Jesus was here, he afflicted the devil. Am I preaching right this evening? And then he said, greater things than these shall you do. And tonight we are scared of our own shadows. And the Lord hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we've lost sight of Jesus tonight. Oh, Lord. We've lost sight of His power. We've lost sight of His glory. We've lost sight of His holiness. And we are operating in the realm of ritualistic religion that is dead, 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 dead. Oh, friend, we are like the Ezekiel's when his visions continued. He ended up seeing things like a valley full of bones that were dry, very dry, disorganized and scattered. Oh, but he said, when God gave him utterance, he said, bone come to bone. And scattered bones became skeletons. And he prayed and he prophesied. And sinews and flesh came upon it. And skeletons became corpses. And he prayed and he preached. And my friend, the wind blew. And corpses became a great army again. Oh, bless his high holy name. Ezekiel kept seeing visions. By the time he got to the end of his book. He saw a river coming out of the throne of God. And he said it wasn't enough to go ankle deep. That's in the first chapter his ankle deep experience is. But he said I went in knee deep and waist deep. And all the way up to my shoulders found myself in over my head. Waters to swim around in. Oh, tonight somebody ought to say I'm not satisfied with ankle deep water. I want to jump in the river. I want to swim in the grace of God. I want to know the power of the Holy Ghost. I want God to flow through my life and flood my soul. I want to be used of the Lord. And I want everything that my life touches to be touched with the power of God. And when he finished it all up, you know how this thing ends. I ain't got time to preach his first chapter, let alone the whole book. You know how this thing ends in Ezekiel chapter 48? 
sees all them visions. He tells us about that city of God. About those gates and about those walls. <laughs> Woo! About the glory of it. And the last verse, when it's all done, he starts out his book getting a revelation of Jesus Christ to the soul. He finishes up his book in the last verse. And he said, the name of that place, the name of that city, is the Lord is there. <laughs> oh, does anybody understand what I'm talking to you about? It started out when I was just a teenage boy with a revelation of Jesus Christ to my soul. But when the days of this sojourn are done, and my days of looking through a glass darkly are over with, and my days of striving and laboring to make it through this old world of sin and sorrows are done. My faith will end in sight in a city whose name is the Lord is there. The Lord is there. The Lord is there. And between here and there He's dwelling in me. Why you think we get carried away when we, my friend, feel the presence of the Lord down in our souls. You think we get excited when we feel God and His presence presence in us. How in the world do you think we're going to act when the presence of God's not in us, but we're in the presence of God. Amen. When we stand before Him, when we see His face, when all our sins are gone and our fears are relieved and our past is over and the worries are wiped away. Praise God, give us a vision of it tonight. A revelation. Of the Lord. I preach what God's put on my heart tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to get a song ready of invitation. I don't know about y'all, but I need to pray. So if you need to pray, just come on. Brother Clint, get us a song ready. And uh, make your way down the altar if you need to pray. <laughs>